0: What's up in Movement Community? It's your friend Caveman here once again. I hope you guys have been having a fantastic start to your new year uh, and have been seeing some success pursuing your goals and New Year's resolutions and all that. I've been working really hard this January, and I've had a pretty, pretty great start to my new year. In the process of all that, I am finally ready to deliver to you guys the second episode of the Getting in Movement podcast. I'm very excited to deliver this episode to you guys. Um, so I was able, this time I had the privilege and opportunity to sit down with Dr. Eric Malone. He's a doctor of chiropractic based out of Tyler, Texas. Um, I first met Dr. Malone when I actually went into his practice to, uh, to get some help with some neck pain that I was experiencing from a, it it was a sports related injury. And Dr. Malone seemed like a very knowledgeable, very intelligent, very capable service provider, uh, and him and I kind of hit it off pretty well. Uh, and he was, what I really liked about him was how informative he was. You know, he did his best to sort of explain to me what he was doing and why he was doing it and what sort of results were, we should see from it and all that. Um, so naturally when we decided to start doing the podcast, he was one of the first people on my list that I wanted to, to sit down and have an interview with. So I was uh very privileged to have the opportunity to do this interview with him and i'm very excited to share it with you guys because i learned a lot from this interview it really opened my eyes up to uh, what chiropractics really is and what we really stand to gain from utilizing the services of chiropractors um, it's so much more than just getting your neck cracked uh, so i gained a lot of value from from doing this interview and i learned a lot so i hope you guys can gain as much value and learn as much From listening to this as i did from uh from doing the interview so with that said uh that's enough of me rambling let's get on into the interview i hope you guys enjoy it if you have any questions for dr malone just leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening to this on and uh and we will get those questions answered for you enjoy the interview guys how's it going everybody caveman here i'm here today with dr eric malone chiropractor uh, and he's just gonna tell us a little bit about his journey, becoming a chiropractor with health and wellness and all that. And, you know, hopefully give us some tips and tricks that we can take home with us. So thanks for having uh, me here today. We're, uh, we're Excellent. in Dr. Malone's, uh, in your practice is what you would call it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty neat facility. You've got a lot of neat posters and cool old textbooks and that sort of thing around here too.
1: I do love old textbooks. Yeah.
0: So the way I usually like to do this, um, you have a lot of unique insights and ideas, Right, that are your own, that no one else has, and you arrived at them through your process and your own journey, right? right. So usually I like to you know start at the beginning, because that's where most good stories start, right? We'll just kind of go from there. Okay. So what was your first exposure to health and wellness or sports and recreation
1: and all that? Like, did you get break your leg as a kid, had to see a physical therapist, sports in high school? No, well, so I did sports growing up, soccer. Okay. I always okay. played soccer. Um, and we had a trampoline, a rectangle, so sure. we were always on the trampoline. Cool. Um. So, you know, I played sports my whole life, and I was lucky. I never had any significant injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, I never went to a chiropractor. I never had to go to physical therapy. I never had any surgeries. I was just right on. just very fortunate.
0: Yeah. So. Do you uh, do you attribute that to, to just lucky, or did you have, like, really great coaches or great athletic trainers at school?
1: Or? Uh, I had some good coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depended. I moved around a lot, so I was on you know, like 14 different soccer teams with 14 different coaches. Okay.
0: Wow. Um, so, so is that club soccer or was that like with the school?
1: Some of it in high school, it was school. Okay. Um, before that I played competitive club. Okay. And some, those were some of the better coaches to be honest. Sure. The school coaches were just, you know, somebody that was there just kind of organizing the event. Right. So
0: Totally. Cool. So, um, what did you you go through high school? You're playing soccer. Did that lead into and did you do collegiate soccer at all? Or after high school was that kind of
1: yeah? After high school, that was it. I played like a little bit of co-ed. Sure. Why I... was
0: that? Were you just like not interested or
1: no? Just so I went. I went to college in Wichita Falls, Texas, and okay. Midwestern State University is the university. Okay. And they've got uh, oh, my dad might have gone. Ahead. They've got a prestigious soccer team. that's very okay. hard to get onto. Okay. And yeah, I didn't even try out. Sure, okay. So, uh, they hadn't scouted me. I graduated from high school in Caracas, Venezuela. So, okay. you know, that, wow. I didn't even have that opportunity where I could have gotten scouted. Right, okay. And um, so, I just I just stopped. I just kind of stopped playing soccer, and I let my health kind of fell apart at that point. Sure. Um, you know, I gained a lot of weight. I got up to, like, 230 pounds, and wow. college wasn't going well. I was uninterested, and just things okay. weren't super good at that point.
0: Sure, so what, um, so from high school to college, what was your, like, what did you graduate with or, you know, like how many different times you maybe change your major up to there? You know, what was that whole undergrad process like for you?
1: Uh, undergrad was, <clears throat> it was difficult. So, you know, I'd gotten into Midwestern State University and mm-hmm. I was a computer science major, which oh, that yeah. was, that was my passion. You know, I had previously been programming a lot. Wow. I was really good with computer hardware and that, that was an interest of mine and then, I got into school and you know, things were just not the same as what I was hoping. I would thought maybe college was gonna like step it up, and mm-hmm. everything felt like a step back and mm-hmm. basic. So, any long story short, um, my disinterest and everything just led to me dropping out of school completely. Sure. So after that, I finally, you know, got interested in, you know, not having a minimum wage job for a little while, yeah. and I. Got back into school, and I decided to keep my grades up, and you know I started getting these scholarships, and so I went through a radiology program there at Midwestern, Um, and so I graduated with an associate's and then a bachelor's from there in radiology.
0: Both in radiology. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So what was uh, what interested you you about radiology? Like, why why do you think that was like what stuck for you?
1: A couple of things. Um, first off, it was like you know, a guaranteed job. I guess kind of sure. like nursing is.
0: Yeah, totally. You know,
1: if you graduate with this degree, you're gonna have a job, and it's it's gonna be good to you. Right. And yeah. you know, to be totally honest, it really was. Sure. During that process, I was always thinking I wanted to be a radiologist, mm-hmm. so getting my undergrad in radiology would be a really easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that those were the two main reasons.
0: Gotcha. So what? Um, for a lot of people probably don't really understand what radiology is. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: So with my with my associate's and bachelor's degree, I was just shooting x-rays, MRI, okay. CAT scan, and that kind of stuff. So the job is is more technical than it is anything else. There's okay. not a lot of decision making. You're not reading the films, you're just producing the films. Okay. And you know, there there is a little bit of an art to that. You know, anybody okay. can tell you that. Just shooting an X ray, anybody can do. But you know, showing the pathology well is, is sometimes difficult, especially with somebody okay. in pain, right? So that's
0: where like the education comes in, rather than just like sticking somebody and saying like, "Hey, press the button, take a picture." Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So that's interesting how you like that kind of makes sense how you transition from like computer science into like health and wellness, like with radiology being like you know in regards to health and wellness. But like you said, it's a little bit more of, like a kind of a task.
1: techie yeah entrance to healthcare, I think. Sure. Yeah, it's
0: like the healthcare thing for for tech nerds or something. Yeah. Yeah. So um. So at what point did you decide like, all right, like I'm done with radiology. Let's go to chiropractor school.
1: Um, that one was weird. I uh, so I met my wife while I was in X-ray school. Okay. And her dad was a chiropractor. Okay. And I didn't know that right off. I you know mm-hmm. we talked and then I found out about it, and I was at the point where I had uh. My bachelor's degree, and I was starting to do some pre-med work, mm-hmm. and uh, so you really looking at med school. Yeah, yeah, okay. definitely. I wanted to be a radiologist. That was okay. that was the end goal.
0: Okay, so that's a, a radiologist is an MD,
1: right? Like, okay, yeah. Okay. So that's just the guy who reads the films. So oh, okay. they're not involved okay. Okay. in taking them at all. Got they you. do the interpretation okay. part for the, and then they spread the report to whoever the ordering doctor was. Right. So okay. like when I do an MRI, um, a radiologist looks at it, writes up a little report, and right. that way I've got a okay. That guy agrees with me on right. what's going on on this MRI or X-ray or whatever. Totally, okay. So um, her dad was a chiropractor, and I'd been working in uh, in healthcare for about six years or so. Okay. Uh, all hospital-based healthcare. And the people there just, you know, it was not a very happy environment. The mm-hmm. types of treatments were just really just patching stuff um except for surgery surgery was the only intervention that i was mm-hmm. seeing okay all right we're actually doing something or changing something right um and even physical therapy is still not that as popular as you would think it would be mm-hmm. in medicine so i right. was seeing all this and thinking okay this is this is really stressful nobody's happy and these mm-hmm. outcomes are poor right and' you don't uh, feel like you're
0: really healing people
1: yeah yeah no and so I had, at some point, I decided that I didn't want to be a radiologist. All they really do is sit in a dark room and interpret films all day. Sure. And while that's important and it pays well, um, it just, it was something I was losing interest in, sure. like, kind of every day. Yeah. And so I was considering different specialties mm-hmm. in medicine. Okay. And about the time I was applying for the MCATs, uh-huh. I was still in organic chemistry, too. And... I asked to go shadow my wife's my wife's father at his Uh clinic and I did I spent a day over there and he saw something like you know 60 patients and you know every single one that came through the door was super duper happy to be there even though they were you know it wasn't like miracle cures all around right you know people were happy to be there it was Mm -hmm. their choice Um, and they you know he was doing something actual and real for them. right? And I'd never seen that, you know, in six years of working in the hospital, I never seen yeah. anything like that. So, um, maybe a month later, I was admitted to Texas Chiropractic College down in Houston. Wow. And so, right the on. journey began.
0: Huh. So, do you remember like, did it like creep up on you or was it like a moment where like it hit you and like this is what I'm gonna do?
1: Uh, no, it was more like, uh, Man, I was trying to have to figure out. Okay, so I, do I derail all my plans right. and go askew this direction, yeah. or should I, you know, barrel on and keep on doing what I've been doing for the last, you know, basically eight years of my life sure. was leading that direction. Yeah, and so I was having to choose between the two, and it was not an easy decision. Yeah.
0: So, what do you think gave you that courage to just sort of like derail from the from the assumed path?
1: It was it was the the shadowing with my okay. father in law. That that did the trick. Just
0: seeing like the difference that he made like firsthand?
1: It was seeing his patients. Okay. Just the the type of care that he was delivering and right the type of responses that he was getting in the office. And I mean I was only there for one day. Right. I just never seen that kind of a yeah an environment before.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Do you think um I mean <laughs> I would obviously didn't go to medical school and you're not working in a hospital, but do you think like traditional medicine like has any like, chance of moving in that direction or, like, you know, get, gain that sort of, like, positivity, if you will, that you saw with, with uh, your wife's dad?
1: Um, yes and no. Some aspects, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing physical therapy being utilized sure. much, much more than it used to. Um, we're seeing surgeons becoming conservative. Okay. Um, we're seeing prescribing doctors much more conservative with the medications that they're prescribing. Um, and I think all of these things lead to a better experience for the patient and better outcomes. Sure. Um, but the, it's, it's a larger system and it gets abused a lot more. So mm-hmm. the environment's just not, it's the environment may never be the same, Right. but the, the overall practice I think is getting better. It just has sure. a lot of growth.
0: The outcomes are improving basically.
1: Yeah. Um, and, but with anything, you know, the more we understand, the more we know, mm-hmm. um, The more we research, the better the outcomes become because that, you know, that empirical observation of an outcome, just Mm because it happened once does not mean that's the best thing for a large population. Right. Um, And doctors love to do that. When you have this spectacular story, you start just applying that to everybody. Like if I do this, this treatment, there's Mm going to be a spectacular story. So I better keep on doing that. Right. Um. And that's that's a bi- form of bias, really. Sure. So you know, I think just through research, through evidence based care, mm-hmm. um, we're seeing things get better. Hmm.
0: So do you, as a chiropractor, do you communicate very much with MDS? Do they do they send people to you ever, or because I know you have, you send people out to them quite a bit? Right. Is there like is that a it's uh
1: the The two way road is mm-hmm. there. It just needs to be utilized properly. Sure. Um, a lot of chiropractors do not. Yeah, okay. I, I think that's a mistake. Um, chiropractors so
0: don't do what exactly? They
1: don't communicate well with medical providers. Okay. Um, which means that it's just a okay. You're not a good candidate for chiropractic care. Go talk to your doctor instead of, you know, hey, go see, you know, doctor so and so. Mm-hmm. So what I try and do here is, you know, whenever I have a new patient come in, as long as they allow me to communicate with their medical provider. Some, for right. some reasons, people don't, mm-hmm. um, but most of them do. So what I do is I just write up a little summary on, okay, so this is why Jane Doe came in. This is, you know, my impression of her case, and these are the treatments that we're rendering. Um, and that's, that opens up a dialogue, um, right. a peer-to-peer dialogue, instead of it being like, you know, chiropractors are over here and health is right. over here. It's, we're all just healthcare providers basically. Sure. And, um, you know, there's a lot of cases that, that need medical intervention. Right. Um, and it's, right. these things are not, you know, some chiropractors are kind of against this, but these things are not mutually exclusive.
0: Hmm. You know,
1: the, the two different healthcare providers should work together Right. and it should be a two way road where they refer to me and I refer to them. And, you know, it's, it's, a collaborative effort. Right. And I've worked in the last three years since opening the practice here, I've worked really Mm -hmm. hard to kind of build that. And there's a couple of doctors, um, you know, Dr. Davis up in Lindell will send Mm -hmm. patients down here from time to time. Um, but it's, it's few and far in between, but that's another, that's just an area I think that, um, I'm trying really hard to grow here at the clinic. And a lot of other chiropractors are trying just, I don't think, um, we're very unified in that effort. If right. it were a little bit more unified, I think we'd see a lot sure. more. Sure.
0: So, why do you think that is? Like, wh- why like, why is it not unified? But also, like, why do chiropractors kind of have that, or like, chiropractors and MDs have that sort of you know, disconnect between them? Why, why is it oh, so clickish? You know what I'm saying? It's an
1: old thing. Um, okay. There were some lawsuits. Basically, this is all old history. There were some lawsuits saying that chiropractors were trying to practice medicine. Hmm. And I mean this is generations ago but the the disconnect is still there unfortunately Um, I don't know why you know other I don't know other than just generations can't get over it I have no idea Um, Hmm. but there's a lot of chiropractors that are anti-medicine and then yeah and then there's so uh, they would advise you against seeing a surgeon or medical doctor or taking any kind of medications there's anti-vaccine chiropractors out there a lot of them
0: there's, there's anti vax nurses out there you know what
1: I mean? yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Huh. unfortunately though chiropractors <laughs> right. are in a position of authority to their patients right, so yeah. when a chiropractor is like that it's you know imagine yeah, your medical doctor if your medical doctor said hey listen these these vaccines they're they're bad right you would be you like what, what is going here. on here Yeah. Um, and chiropractors unfortunately are spreading that yeah that's wild. I didn't realize
0: that that was that was a thing, like within chiropractics. Um, are you are you you're familiar with uh, Z Dog MD? You ever heard of him? Yes. He's a uh, he he kind of goes rants on about that quite a bit, pretty entertaining. Um, so where like do you have any thoughts on that specifically? The whole like anti-vax thing. You're not trained or or whatnot with uh internal medicine so to speak but you know what are your what are your thoughts on that at least from like a cultural sociological perspective well first
1: off that is completely outside my scope of practice sure yeah um and so i don't advise anybody yay or nay i say go talk to your doctor and i know what their doctor's gonna say right yeah so you know at the end of the day we're on the same page totally
0: yeah so what where do you like where do you think that came from though like why is that because with the especially ubiquitous agreement in like the health community and like the medical community that like you know vaccines are should be used right mm-hmm. so like where do you think people get off like with coming up with this idea that you know it's so like obtuse it, to like the science
1: well it's I don't remember the history exactly but sure. there was a, a medical doctor in Austin who started putting out these these study these studies right uh-huh. um, saying that there's a link mm-hmm. um, and I mean I don't even like to talk about it because essentially Talking right. about it spreads mis- misinformation, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, anyways, he did that, and you know, it, everything's been debunked, completely totally. debunked. Right. But it started a following. You know, sure. people were like, "I see the correlation," mm. and you know whether or not there was a correlation. Right. Um, so I don't know. People love a conspiracy, and yeah. I think I think really that's what we're seeing. Yeah. They also love autonomy. So you know, you want to be able to say what you know, what can I put in my body and what can't, I want to be able to refuse services. So maybe some of that is playing into it. It's just that it's autonomy missed with, you know, maybe ignorance.
0: Right. Yeah. a little bit of sensationalism. (laughs) Right. Cool. So what, um, so what is one thing that you would like to change in the health and wellness industry or chiropractics in particular? If there's one thing you can snap your fingers, change it overnight, what would that be?
1: Uh, I would get all chiropractors on board with evidence-based or informed care. Sure.
0: So what, uh, so how would you, if I was walking into a chiropractor's office, how would I, as a lay person, you know, be able to determine if, if, you know, they're one of the, the good ones or the bad ones, so to speak. Like, are, you know, are they using evidence-based practices and that sort of thing?
1: It's usually, you can tell by their website. Um, okay. You can just look at the website and see if there are any red flags there. And the red flags for that would be claiming to treat conditions like ADHD with adjustments, mm. which is another one of those imperial observations that chiropractors have had. That's bizarre. I never even heard of that. Uh, right, yes. And so if you saw it on a website, you would know right away, okay, so this guy is is not paying attention to the evidence.
0: Right, yeah. Well, that's, like, I don't even, like, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't even have my bachelor's degree yet, but that's just, like, clearly, like, absurd to me that right cracking your neck is going to fix your ADD. Um, yeah. Like, the causality just, like, isn't there. You know right, I mean? right. Yeah.
1: There's, there's a lot of um, sensational claims about what adjustments can do. Right. And I think the thing that's really sensational is that, you know, what can a physical intervention that often takes the form of placebo... What changes can that make in a person? And the answer right. is all sorts of crazy things that you can never predict. Hmm. Um, so we do see these really, really strange outcomes, really hmm. rare outcomes, sure um, that you know people are like, well, I tried everything else, nothing else works. Why don't we try this? Right. And you know, to be totally honest, I'm on board with, Applying a therapy mm-hmm. off-label, so you know how uh, medical doctors will prescribe medicines off-label. It's called off-label prescription What does that mean? Uh, that just means not FDA approved for this purpose, whatever okay. this purpose is, okay? Um, so I'm okay with that. So like if somebody has tried everything that they can that's you know if they've tried all the the most beneficial to the most amount of people treatments and mm-hmm. those haven't done the trick I'm always okay with some type of a trial of, a, of an alternative therapy. That's, sure. that, I'm totally good with that. And I, I see that with acupuncture all the time. Hmm. Um, so I'll see patients that have been for, you know, for 10 years without any relief and they've had surgeries, they're still on medications, they've done physical therapy, they've tried like everything that you know, I could list off. Right. Um, <clears throat> so in that respect, I'm always good with trying a therapy. When you've exhausted, um, like, all of their options. Right when the reasonable options. Exo- you know the reasonable options have been exhausted. Yeah.
0: Sure. Interesting. So do you ever um do you know anyone or, like, do you ever like use the placebo effect? You know what I mean.
1: You first off, you can't not use the placebo effect. Okay. It's impossible. Sure. Um. So every single thing I do, from saying hello when you walk back, right. the placebo begins. Yeah. Uh, as soon as the interaction has began. Placebo's right. is there and it's not it's not something you can eliminate from the equation
0: sure interesting so yeah so do you uh as, as a provider do you like find yourself like in the way you interact with your patients or like strategically or like consciously like use that in any way or you just kind of like let it happen organically
1: um if you no not re- not really okay i'm not like i'm not like oh well i know No, yeah, like social I'm, engineering i'm not like you know yeah i'm not I'm not yeah. trying to do that um that would get way too complicated right? and it yeah. th- just doesn't seem right. Um, but yeah, you know, I know that there's, so I'll, you know, provide a little bit of extra service to people that feel like they need it. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say that we have, you know, somebody with a shoulder injury or something mm-hmm. like that. Let's say it's a chronic one and they're in their thirties or something like that. Um, I know that if they expect the treatment to work, mm-hmm. it has a better chance of working and right. that's placebo yeah totally um so i work really hard to inform people without lying or you know you know inflating the truth Um, but i work really hard to inform people of the outcomes to expect and whenever you hear okay so this is what a typical person has this is what typically happens and it's going to get better you immediately i've utilized placebo and you Believe in the treatment a little bit more. Right. Um, but if you didn't believe in the treatment, if I was unable to convey to you that this is something that's helpful for your shoulder, yeah. Um, immediately I've lost the Interesting. placebo.
0: Interesting. That's something like I've learned as a personal trainer. Is, you know, for a long time, especially when I first got started, I would try to like stick too strictly to the rules. You know, or like you know we're gonna do, fifteen reps or you know whatever like the literature says exactly. But like one of the things I had to figure out was. There's different exercises that people enjoy more than others. And typically, if, you, if you, you get, like, you let them just be a little more lenient. Let them do, you know, the exercise, you know, whatever. You know they you need know, to do at least a push. So, you know, let them do the type of push that they like to do that's enjoyable yeah. for them. They typically work a little bit harder, and they believe in it a little more. And so, yeah, yeah. it tends to, the, they, they, yeah, between lurking hard and believing a little more, they tend to get a little better results from that. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's, uh, I never thought about it that way, like, you know, like, from the moment they walk in the door, like, the first hello being kind of where that, where that begins. Yeah. That's really interesting. So what is one, the number one lesson you would like to teach to people of like everyone in the world, if you wanted them to know one thing about chiropractics, or you know, as far as being a patient, what would uh, what would you want them to know?
1: I, I think I would like, and I haven't had enough time to think about your question to give a, a good answer, sure. but I think that we got, we got plenty of time. right. I think that what I would like is for people to understand that chiropractic manipulative therapy, mm-hmm. the adjustment, mm-hmm. spinal manipulative therapy, is just that. It's a therapy. Mm-hmm. There's no kink. In, you know the rotation of some vertebra that I can push on mm-hmm. and it's not clicking back in place we're mm-hmm. cavitating joints right we're applying right. a therapy to the joints around that segment
0: sure
1: um, and I would just like people to understand that spinal manipulative therapy is a therapy and right. it's not a cure right um, and it's that's difficult we just talked about placebo therapy, that's really difficult okay. for me to convey to patients without them losing their, you know, quote-unquote faith in right. the adjustment. Because I hear that all the time. People like, oh, I believe in chiropractic. Yeah. And, you know, my thing about that is that I appreciate what they're trying to convey to me. Right. Um, but what they're really saying is that what I'm doing has no evidence base. What I'm doing requires somebody to believe in it for it mm-hmm. to be effective. Mm. Or for me to have gone through a trial where they've gotten better and they're like, oh, now I believe in it. Right. Um, when it's just a therapy every right. patient responds differently every condition responds differently um, and the, the different types of manipulation are all, are all different so it's hard sometimes to match up what type of therapy with what condition and what patient and I think that's yeah. just where clinical experience comes into play
0: Sure.
1: Um, but I think more than anything if patients understood that what I'm doing here is a therapy right. and not a fix Okay. Um, outcomes would be better. People would be a little bit more um, enticed to do things themselves. You know, mm-hmm. like they would self care is important. Right. Um, but people get this idea that only I can fix their problem, and it's not me that's telling right. that it's their previous chiropractor. Sure. Or maybe people's consensus on what chiropractic is. Right. Um so if if i could change one thing that would be it and i'd have a whole bunch of happy patients that are all really involved in their own self-care right. and everybody feel a little bit better sure so
0: what would you say to the people um yeah you know, like i on one second. sure so what would you um what would you say to people who kind of have a bad impression of chiropractors so every now and then i meet someone who you know they kind of put it in the same category as like uh smudge sticks and you know like culture type of alternative medicine and like in a bad way you know what i'm saying what would you say to those people who like pro- perhaps it's probably because they don't really understand what it is
1: right so i there's two different subsets of those people there's okay. those people who have been to a chiropractor and there's okay. those people who have not okay the people who have not i can't help and i don't have time for that um right you know one one day you'll have some neck pain and nothing else will work and maybe you'll venture into a chiropractor's office and i hope you see a good chiropractor yeah um but for the people that have been to a chiropractor that feel that way uh they went to they didn't go to a good chiropractor Mm -hmm. it's just that simple like they had a bad interaction it could have been a personality clash it could have been the doctor applied the not the best treatment for the case right um, it, or might not have explained that, you know, with physical stuff comes side effects, physical side effects, right? So I'd say most of the time, if people have been, that's, that's better than people saying, okay, it's, it's, it's crazy right. if they haven't been, because really that's crazy. Right. Because chiropractic is not, it's not one thing. Chiropractic right. is not just adjustment. Yeah. Now, now it used to be for a long time, it was, there were a lot of purists, and there still kind of are, um, that, you know, they don't do anything other than adjust. You know, they've got this idea that adjusting releases an innate force which heals all dis ease. Um, Right. Your (laughs) expression says it all, right? So, anyways, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really not, I, so I, Personally, outside of the office, unless uh-huh. somebody's coming in to see me, uh-huh. I don't talk to them about, right. hey, this is what chiropractic is. Because sure. most people have this preconceived notion, right. either from, uh, like, television or media or a family right. member. Um, but the the worst thing that can happen is somebody writes it off as nonsense without ever even trying. Um, right. And for those Which people... It's just as
0: absurd as, like, anti-vax, like...
1: Right, yeah, of, yeah. Cuz yeah. so you don't
0: have any you don't actually have any information to base that opinion right, on. Right, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Huh. So what um where like the the innate force thing, like where does that come from?
1: Uh that that's really old. So okay. that comes from the origins of chiropractic. So okay. um there's uh BJ Palmer and DD D. Palmer, father and okay. son, who basically founded most those names most before, of chiro- most of chiropractic. They wrote um fabled green book that people still have and so they've got these ideas from the turn of the 19th century okay that uh you know are not founded in anything other 18 1801 no 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 so like late 1800s early 1900s okay chiropractic is not well chiropractic american chiropractic as we know it is not that old okay um so they've got these ideas where you know if that nerve that there's a an innate life force that beams down from the universe. It's a very spiritual and religious type of dogma. Okay. Um, that there's this force that beams down from the universe, heals all disease, and all they have to do is, uh, free the spine of these subluxations, and that's going to cure, huh. everything.
0: Huh, interesting. Right. I'm into like yoga and all that. I'm like a little mystic but that sounds absurd like even to me like the idea that just like like yeah like adjusting your spine is gonna yeah have have some sort of like mystical influence on your on your physiology yeah
1: Yeah. it's it's pretty out there um and, and, and there's still there's still chiropractors i mean in this town several of them really that that's the way that they practice
0: huh wow so where did like where did that where did they get that idea from? Where like did they like, I have no idea. did they go in the desert for 40 days and like have <laughs> the other, like you know what I mean?
1: Um I'm the history's known I don't know it. Okay. Um but yeah, that's he was a magnetic healer beforehand. What is that? I have no idea. <laughs> Use magnets to heal things? Okay. Anecdotally, I've talked to more than one people who keep rolls of magnets in their pockets for their hip pain. Weird. Yeah.
0: Interesting. That's really interesting. The, the closest thing I can relate to that is when I wear a watch, you can see this is actually a magnetic or a mechanical watch. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have a battery there because I will get like this weird kind of arthritic pain in my wrist when I wear like a, a battery, like on it like that, you know, get kind of like weird really? like, when I do pushups yeah, and it like hurts real bad. And that's what I noticed when I started wearing the watch without a battery, Yeah, that let, that pain kind of, kind of went away. Strange. Of course, that's, you know, totally like anecdotal and, you know, right. Yeah. But right. that was just like the, the pattern that I recognized, yeah. you know, like now my wrist doesn't hurt so i'm gonna have to
1: switch like switch hands for a little while and see
0: yeah yeah when um and my grandma said she had like the same deal too so she would always wear her watch very loose Mm -hmm. um and that's and i asked one day she said that's wise because like the battery thing yeah um so yeah weird yeah i've never heard of magnetic healing before that's i'm gonna have to look into that (laughs) Just just for the curiosity um so what are some best preventative practices like that we can do at home so you know you want to keep your business running but how do we prevent ourselves from coming to you in the first place because that's that's the, the medical right
1: right um, so with that said though it's important to note that I would prefer see somebody one time mm. and have them happy and taking care of themselves and telling other people hey this is where I can go get help right then I would like to have people coming in all the time um, for me success is when somebody comes in they absorb the information leave and they are they are well and they're not they're taking care of themselves and they're using this kind of like you'd use a gem this is just mm. a place to receive some therapy this is a place to grow and this is a treatment that we can do okay um, so going back to your question um, so you let
0: people come in the one time not treat it like a gym
1: so I would like people to treat especially spinal manipulative therapy uh-huh. as something that has a dose response, which it does. Okay. So for example, Advil has a dose response, right. you know, you take so many milligrams of Advil, you get X effect. Okay. Um, same thing with like, let's say a statin, right? So you take a statin for a couple of, uh, for cholesterol. Okay. So you take that for a couple of weeks and it, it levels out the cholesterol at a certain dose. You know, you could have too much, right. you could have not enough. Right. Um so what I do on the first visit is I'll give people a really good idea what I feel is the best dose response for them. Mm-hmm. Um so that's why when someone comes in I'm like, hey, come see me a couple times for the next couple of weeks and then after that it's just going to be kind of up to you or as needed because okay. we, I don't know what the dose response is. Right. So I would prefer if people came in just kind of took the advice mm-hmm. um and you know every case is different. Some of them it's just one and done. A lot of them it's one and done. Um a lot of them, it's a chronic thing, you yeah. know? And I know that there's there's nothing I can do that's gonna free them of this pain, we're just right. managing it. So right. there's that whole spectrum from one okay. and done to pain management. So it really depends
0: on like what, what your ailment is. Yes,
1: yes, yeah. absolutely.
0: Okay, so what, um, how does someone know the difference, like is there any way that we can like determine like, like I'm feeling this kind of pain, so I need to go see like an internal medicine person for this versus I'm feeling another type of pain, I need to go see a manual therapist
1: for this. It's hard. um even there are cases where i'm it's gray you know i don't know if there's some visceral pain going on here or is this all somatic pain um and sometimes there's overlap for sure because visceral pain can cause somatic pain and sometimes somatic pain can can act just like visceral pain
0: right so i i understand visceral somatic all that but if you would explain for those who don't know
1: a visceral, visceral is just pain originating from an organ inside. Right. Uh, somatic pain is just muscle pain, okay. uh, musculoskeletal pain. So sure. that, that could be nerve pain, it could be muscle ache and pain, strain, right. um, or it could be joint pain.
0: So there's not like a, like a hard and fast, reliable way for us at home or for you here in the clinic to really like determine like with 100% certainty whether it's visceral or somatic.
1: It depends on the condition. Okay. And I think every the answer to that would be different for every single condition.
0: Sure, okay. So it gets back to, like, it's all on the spectrum. Right. right. So,
1: when, for instance, when somebody comes in, let's say that they've got a headache. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find, because we know that, like, a migraine headache can be a purely neurological thing. Right. Or it could be purely a nutritional thing. Mm. Um, so what I'm trying to find, are there in, is there anything that I can replicate in the case that I can take that trigger of the headache out? So every different condition that comes in, I'm trying to find, is there a somatic link here? Is there something that we can work on to take a trigger out of the equation?
0: Right, interesting. Um, so that's kind of the answer to my question with like, what can we do to prevent having to come in here? Um, what's the best practices at home once we've, you know, we've come to see the chiropractor, the physical therapist, or whatever specialist we're, we're going to? What are, what are some things that you would recommend people doing at home after they've received care?
1: Um, don't forget. Sure, yeah. <laughs> take care of yourself. Totally. Um, I think I see a lot of people who, uh, if they would take more of a nutritional approach to their mm. overall health, they would see me less. Sure. Um, I think that's probably true for all. Or most all conditions. Right. Yeah. Um. So taking care of themselves afterwards. Um. Continuing to stay strong and move. Right. And continuing to avoid those activities that they know provoke. You know their condition. Right. You know yeah. if it's a shoulder thing again. Yeah. And they revert to side sleeping, and then three weeks yeah. later they start to have the shoulder thing again. Right. Um, it's like no wonder. Yeah. It it didn't really help. You know, right. I told. A young lady the other day she had some shoulder issues and asked her how she slept she told me she slept face down with her arms up like this yeah and yeah. you know my first re- and she was young she shouldn't have had shoulder problems right. there's no trauma in this case right um and every as, time i sleep
0: with like mom, specifically my rider right when i sleep with it up you'll yeah. get that impingement
1: yeah so i was like i told her i was like you know if you didn't sleep like this there's a good chance you wouldn't be here right now yeah and so you know, at the end of the day, maybe that's all I could have just said. All right, well, I'll see you next time. <laughs> right. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Um, but we went ahead and did some treatment, got her on some rehab, and stuff. Sure. Like
0: yeah. That. Yeah. The one they probably when they come in, they want to at least get the pain managed for sure.
1: Most um, people when they come in, they just they want an adjustment. Right. You know. And so you know, while I know that manipulation isn't the cure for everything, and a lot of times more um, involved rehab is. Right. Um, especially with muscular problems right um you know i'll still do the manipulation because it's sure. it's pain relieving mm-hmm. um and it helps you you know having that range of motion helps right. you know it's, it's not going to hurt yeah
0: totally so. so what what is it exactly that that re- about an adjustment that relieves pain
1: um it, it basically it excites some endorphin production okay. at, at the spinal cord level okay I mean, it's not very long lasted, but it it does. So, I mean, I'm sure Sure. you've had a a thing and then you've got a little bit of movement in there, and then you're like, and that feels better. And, you know, to to your brain, it definitely does feel better.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll get, you know, my my traps will get real tight, and I'll, you know, I'll have like this tension throughout the day and I won't realize it until I go, (sighs) and then I'm like, oh, I feel so much better. Yeah, Yeah. You kind of get that, you feel like a little bit looser after that. What is it about? I've also like my neck was like real frozen up when I first started to come see you. Um, And one of the things I noticed was I would I would start running. I'd be at rugby practice and we'd do like some cardio. And after I got a little warmed up, then you know I I couldn't quite like get my neck like opened up right. But then after we like warmed up a little bit, then suddenly it just like came wide open. So what's that about?
1: Um, That's a lot of that is just first as muscles warm up, they're able to lengthen. And I mean doing what you do, I know that you know that if you warm somebody up, you'll get a better stretch. Um, so the same thing. So being warmed up helps the muscles to loosen a little bit. Sure. The other thing is once that starts to happen and the joints start moving a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, we see this with, you know, people that have arthritis or degenerative discs in their back. Once they're up and moving around a little bit, it gets things Mm -hmm. moving and it starts to let the joint have a little bit more range of motion in there. The muscles stop guarding as much. Um, and the range of motion improves.
0: Sure. So, um, can you talk a little bit about specifically what um, like adjustment is as far as like the encapsulation and all that? Because I think a lot of people, like you were saying earlier, think that like you know your vertebrae is like rotated nine degrees and you're like right. pushing it back in place. Right. Um, do you like do you want to clear that up for people a little bit?
1: Um. So really, the adjustment is no different than a knuckle crack. Sure. Except that it needs to be done at a high velocity. Okay. Um, and for safety a low amplitude. So that so what, what does that mean, low amplitude? Uh, just not very far. So like if oh, okay. I had your neck, you it's not good if I turn your head facing down, right? That okay. would be really high, am- right. high amplitude. Yeah. Um, so it's it's short high short and fast. So that's why the adjustment's always kind of a quick thing. Sure. Okay. Um, and those those tend to yield the best results. And so okay. essentially, you know, in a, with the spine, mm-hmm. there's two synovial joints on the back of each, uh, between each vertebra, you know, the right. zygopophyseal joints or mm-hmm. the Z joints or facet joints. Mm-hmm. Um, those have fluid in there, so when they gap just enough, you get a little bit of a negative pressure, mm-hmm. and then that negative pressure will make some of the gas come out of solution, and you get this rapid mm-hmm. thing. So the reason that... Um, I'll still do adjustments if there's no pop i mean mm-hmm. we're still going for that rapid decompression basically okay. a rapid stretch so you're
0: still actually getting an effect out of it even if you don't hear or feel the pop
1: yeah interesting okay out- outcomes that. are the same uh what i tell people is that it's just less satisfying when there's <laughs> sure, no pop yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. right so you know i treat a lot of patients not who <laughs> right no it's not i treat a lot of elderly patients um and they you know their joints don't have as so much fluid in there um the joints become arthritic and so the they really lose that that cavitation where yeah. the the gas comes out of solution Right. Okay. um but they get the same amount of relief okay so i usually tell people you know try not to judge the treatment by how you feel at the moment give it a couple of days see right. how you feel and that i mean i'm sure i've told you that just give it a couple of days if you're still in a lot of pain come on back we'll do another treatment so right
0: okay right on um so you talked a minute ago about um kind of like red flags you would see on like on a chiropractor's website right so when you walk into the clinic what, are, what would be some red flags to know if this is like even if they're a good chiropractor like are, are they good for me like type of deal
1: i think you'd have to just go through the consultation and find okay. out yourself sure um because i mean there's other than just them claiming to treat things that right. are you know if it doesn't make sense you know uh-huh. probably it's it's out there right um so i think just meet with them and then you know you don't remember if meeting with a chiropractor does not mean you have to have treatment that right. just means it's a consultation okay. and people feel a lot of pressure when they come in that okay so i'm here i've taken their time i have to do a treatment but the thing is this isn't like a medical doctor visit where you can choose not to to fill your prescription right this is we're going to do the actual treatment right here so you need you need to figure out okay so does this make sense mm-hmm. um has he said anything that like sounds up substantiated and if right. If so, you know, like, take your take, the cosmos. Right, right. Take your time and then afterwards, you know, do a little bit of research yourself. See if it makes yeah. any sense what they're saying. Um, and certainly, if you went to a chiropractor, for in particular, if you went to a chiropractor and you got kind of these weird feels from the exam, mm-hmm. go to another one. Right. Go try a couple more because, you know, there's a whole range of guys practicing chiropractic right um and just like medical doctors are not all the same neither are chiropractors
0: right yeah so yeah you mentioned um there's there's a whole range of guys practicing chiropractics and one of the big things that like was like cool to me when I came in to shadow you was I realized that you do so much more than just like popping people's backs you know right what I mean like you said earlier there's like you're doing a lot of different types of therapies um so tell me a little bit about that like what you know like you know, you said you used to like chiropractics was just you know adjusting spines, right? Um, versus like, yeah, talk about like kind of what it's evolved into today.
1: Well, you know, because of people paying attention to the evidence, mm-hmm. and we are manual therapists, and right. it is in our scope of practice. We've mm-hmm. evolved to include the treatments which work best, right? Um, while trying to maintain our identity as you know specialists in spine and joint mm-hmm. manipulation, right? Um, so beyond just adjusting uh, we do a lot of soft tissue here so you've met jeffrey he's my Mm -hmm. assistant he's a licensed massage therapist yeah so almost every visit comes with uh, a good portion of soft tissue along with it right um we use some of the classic um,
0: explain what soft tissue is
1: uh essentially deep what most people would relate to is deep tissue massage okay um so he's using a lot of force in a right. little focused area, and right. usually in areas that we know have the best benefit. Right. Um, and so we he'll be in there for the exam most of the times, mm-hmm. and then kind of you know we go over the diagnosis and say, hey, this is how you can spend five minutes of soft tissue and get the best result. Right. And so I, early on, I used to do all that myself, um, but I've kind of, you know, delegated that out to him. For sure. Yeah. Um, since it's that's within his license, right. and you know we work together pretty well. Um, so we do a lot of, a lot of soft tissue work. Um, we do the classic modalities, you know, e mm-hmm. traction, decompression, um, and those things chiropractors have been doing for a long time, really. Right. Um, and then I think the newest thing to the chiropractic profession is rehab. Um, it's important okay. to know that when a chiropractor is doing rehab, it's not physical therapy. Okay. Um, and that's one, it's a licensing thing. Sure. Right. You know, I can't claim to practice medicine and I also right. can't claim to practice physical therapy. Sure. Um but physical therapy is a much more it's a little closer uh, to Cairo
0: than medicine.
1: Yeah, well it is. Um and they're doing joint manipulation as well right. nowadays. Oh they are? Yeah. Okay. Um which is great. Yeah. Because it's a good therapy, right? Sure, yeah. Um I didn't know that. So we do rehab, but most of it is self-directed rehab. So when I have a patient who's not getting results with any of the rehab, they're having trouble doing it, uh-huh. you know, I, I can't be there for them to help them through all that. So I often right. will say, hey, you need to go find a good physical therapist. Sure. And get that, that one-on-one contact that you need because they're right. gonna be there to watch and find your weaknesses, find your strengths, build on those, and kind of guide you along with the process. Um, right. So I do basically, I would say a, like a a minimal amount of rehab compared to physical therapy right? but compared to most chiropractors I do quite a bit okay so I try and give people okay so what's what's the simplest things that they could do because most people don't need more than just a couple of weeks of stretching or strengthening right. or something like that for sure
0: so so you like do an assessment and then you like write some exercises for them to do and you kind of send them off to do it on their own you're not there coaching them through
1: like the, right.
0: the workout okay
1: versus a physical therapist they would actually be there Right. So I use I use basically internet tools. Um so they'll have videos and word descriptions and pictures and I kind of I put out the sets and reps and frequency and all that kind of stuff. Right. But at the end of the day it is self directed. And I know you've seen, you know, somebody trying to do a squat for example. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you're not just gonna do it perfect the first time and often people don't. Um, so I try and give them the best tools, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a cost effective solution and it helps a lot of people, but sometimes it's not quite enough. And then plenty of other times they came to a chiropractor, they were looking for joint manipulation. You know, they were looking for somebody to kind of fix a problem for them and they're looking for more of a passive solution. So, um, something like a third of the rehabs that I put together specifically for patients for (laughs) their condition, the email is never opened. Hmm. And I hear this one all the time, you know, three weeks later of treatment, they're like, hey, doc, is there anything else I could be doing? And right. I asked them how the rehab's been going, and they're like, oh, you sent me rehab? And, you know, I have to be like, yes, <laughs> right. I did, and we talked about this. And, totally. you know, it would be helpful if you were doing that along with this. Right,
0: yeah. Yeah, well, and that, that, that's what seemed to me, like, um, when I first came in, that was one of the, like, cool things. I was like, oh, they do rehab, too, because, like, um, PT, like, physical therapy is, like, pretty expensive. Yeah. So a yeah. lot of people don't quite need that much. Some people do like need right, a yeah. serious intervention like that. But for people, it's just like, you know, I'm like my knee like aches a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Something like that is uh, it, like i kind of filling a vacuum in like the allied health network that you know hasn't been filled so far. That's really that's really cool. It's all kind of like becoming more comprehensive, and mm-hmm. you know, everybody's like sort of, all the different professions are sort of like helping each each other out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So what are your thoughts on uh on like? other forms of alternative medicine. Um, I say other forms because when, like? when you Google chiropractic, it says like chiropractic is a form of alternative medicine. Um, but yeah, so like um, the more like out there things like uh, uh, like essential oils is one thing. Like my parents are really big on essential oils. Do right. so you have any like strong opinions on that?
1: Um, I don't have, I try not to form opinions on things like that. Sure, right. Um, Follow the, evidence. But the But the evidence currently says that if there is anything, it's very weak sure um so what with people what i normally do is just say hey try it mm-hmm. it's not gonna hurt yeah uh, right. but i don't it's not something that i prescribe or recommend strongly to anybody totally.
0: yeah my mom gave me this like thing of like it's like icy hot but it's mm-hmm. like essential oils and it, mm-hmm. it feels just like icy hot and so mm-hmm. like you know like my i my thought process is, like, is it well, the is, is it deep
1: blue by chance?
0: Yeah, it's deep blue, it's totally deep blue.
1: So deep blue is actually a good product. Okay, cool. So, so for, let's talk about that. For whatever bit. it's worth, I don't even know what's in it, but okay. I can tell you that everybody who's ever used deep blue sure has gotten benefit from it. Yeah, I've, I'm it feels yet, a
0: little stronger than icy hot, actually. Right,
1: I'm yet to. It's a good counter irritant, I think, and okay. it lasts on the skin for quite a while. Okay, um, I use so I've got the deep blue cream right up there. Okay, so <laughs> I mean, shameless plug. Right, well, not even a plug. I don't even sell yeah. it. Um, me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's, I just, okay. anecdotally, I don't have the evidence, I don't have a case right. study, um, and unfortunately, they don't either, that, I, pretty, that like, I know of.
0: That's a pretty low-risk uh, thing, as far as, like, not having the evidence for it, you know what I mean? It's just, like, a topical ointment. Right, right,
1: right, and they, they don't need to prove anything to anybody.
0: Right, yeah, right. But like I said, it's, it's, like, kind of up there with, like, Icy Hot yeah. type of deal. Yeah. So, um, can you tell me a little bit more about, like, the history of chiropractic, like, you know, maybe not as far back as like the innate cosmic force, but, right. you know, um, just kind of like in, in your, like in the time that you've been in the industry, like how you've seen it grow and change over time.
1: Um, I'm, I'm seeing the emergence of chiropractors who are not afraid to incorporate rehab into their treatment, of chiropractors who are not afraid to work side by side with medical doctors, of chiropractors who are not afraid of evidence. Sure. I have some concern that a lot of the fear that chiropractors had for evidence was based in they thought that maybe their treatment didn't have anything going for it. So it was like an
0: ego thing, they didn't wanna
1: I don't don't know, to be totally honest, I have no idea. Um, But so I guess what I've seen and I appreciate the most is the emergence of a a younger generation of chiropractors that are working together and alongside other healthcare practitioners. Sure. in the same system to help people basically. Right. Instead of being, you know, separate and distinct, just kind of starting to become a part of healthcare.
0: Right, yeah.
1: A part of mainstream healthcare instead of being, yeah. you know, alternative, you know, cuz right. it it you should have these options. As a patient, mm-hmm. you know, I you know, i never I didn't go to a chiropractor before I went to chiropractic school. But mm. as a patient, you should always have the options and no one right. should control those options and say, "Hey, sure. you know, you can't have these." So If you went into your doctor and you've got, let's say, a shoulder problem again or a neck problem, Mm -hmm. um, they should be able to recommend a chiropractor without uh, having to worry about getting sued or having to worry about losing patients or, you know, you know what I mean? Like in the same way that they can recommend physical therapy, they know what those outcomes are. Right. Um, And they should be able to do that with chiropractors. um, But currently, all chiropractors are not doing the same thing. And right. it, so,
0: they can't expect the same and outcomes. And they can't
1: expect the same outcomes. Um, so, it's difficult. So you right got to raise the standard of care. Right. And that's, that's something that's happening, but it, it's, it's unfortunately Slow measured down. in generations one, mm-hmm. and the chiropractic schools getting up to date on what they're teaching students. Yeah. You know, there's a, the whole gamut here. Some of them are m- almost all evidence informed, right. and then there are some that are just still way out there. Right. teaching complete nonsense to to young students who are going to go out and practice that same model right.
0: that's wild to me like i have a hard time getting my mind around like how are y'all like operating school and like making money you know being like a viable business as a school when you're like it's not evidence-based you know what i mean there's uh, nothing but it's, like happening you know what I mean? right like,
1: there's nothing enforcing that you right. know so what's okay. happening is that there's a lot of chiropractors that do really really well um doing nothing other than adjusting subluxations
0: Right. Um, so what are your thoughts on like, what would you like to see like enforce more and like how, and also like, do you think it would be a good thing if insurance came a little bit more into the picture? Because most, as far as I know, like most chiropractic isn't covered by insurance, health insurance, um, so do you think it would be a good thing if people were able to access chiropractic through their insurance more or do you think that would kind of...
1: So the majority of insurance plans actually do, on some level, cover uh-huh. chiropractic. Okay. The coverage may not be very good, Sure. Um, but it, it does... Nearly all of them have some kind of chiropractic benefits to them. Okay. Um, insurance is managed care and sure. I'm not a fan of managed care.
0: Okay, so why is that?
1: Um. So the way insurance works is that it's a middleman between patient and doctor. Right. And they're the form of payment, too. So all the money flows through them. Right. But they tell your doctor what he can and cannot do. Ah. And they limit the patient financially. Right. Um, and and this, they're not doctors, so like, and, how do they know? Right. And this turns into... Uh, Price inflation on the side of doctors That's and hospitals, what I was, like,
0: worried about, yeah. um,
1: and it turns into as a patient, you have no idea, uh-huh. you know, who's man, who's in control of your care, right. um, how much is your care actually costing. Right. So all those things get intentionally blurred by by managed care or the large insurance companies um, right. who are operating as a middleman. Um, right. There's a more classic form of insurance where. You deal directly with the doctors and uh-huh. then you send your bills to your insurance company and okay. they're like, oh yeah, let's reimburse you on this. And that's that's kind of the way insurance always, you know, it was originally and right. it is in a lot of other industries besides healthcare mm-hmm. where it's, they've turned into um, the a, a, a barrier like between yeah. you and your providers. So, I mean, I have... A, do, you, do you think there's any chance we'll ever like get back to that? Uh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. And maybe if it's just...
0: To have to gather enough support, enough people would want it bad.
1: I think a lot of people do want it it's just right. that um the people with money right uh they like that system because it makes it makes a <laughs> right. lot of money sure um like keeps the powers of being power right um i'll have to send you i put a blog post up just okay. literally about insurance okay. and how it is um but it's we can link that in the, in the description okay. um but it's not you know it's not a good situation essentially sure. they're they're it's a business, and they're just making money. Right. Um, whereas you, we should be working with our providers, with our doctors. Right. Prices would be super good. Everything would be competitive. Healthcare would be really, really good. Right. But yeah, you know, I can say all that, but there's no way to know. You, t- you know, we've got this really deeply ingrained system where insurance sure. is there, and it's it's hard to change anything. Right. Especially when you're dealing with really big in- you know industry that's got lobbying power. So. Right.
0: Yeah, well, the price inflation was like my main suspicion because, like, when I think of a medical doctor, I think of insurance a lot more than when I think of like chiropractic, right? Right? Um, and chiropractic is like for sure more affordable than like you know going paying out of pocket to your doctor, or right? Your yeah, therapist, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So that's what I was kind of wondering if that's perhaps because insurance hasn't gotten like as tight of a grip on the thing because that seems
1: to be what happens is when. Well, gets a grip yeah. That if you if you call around to chiropractors and you find one that takes insurance, their mm. cash prices are going to be higher than the guy who doesn't take insurance. Mm. And that's that insurance companies have you sign a contract saying that you won't offer a dual fee schedule, and they've passed legislation saying that you can't do that either. Huh. Um, so, you know, you have to offer the same price, and yeah. insurance pays portions on the yeah. price, right? So you have to you you, you make you set your price. little bit higher so that you get reimbursed the same um and that the main reason i'm a cash practice is so that i can have pricing that's Uh transparent and everybody can see right um and everybody gets the same price and there's also not you know i'm not paying some other guy to manage what i'm doing with my patients um and my patients aren't paying him for something they may or may not even need
0: yeah yeah interesting man that gets like real convoluted real quick like all the different like factors and forces and like in like business entities involved that right. are, like, all influence in
1: this whole I, thing. I don't think that, so a lot, almost all chiropractors take insurance first off. Okay. And most insurance companies do cover chiropractic on some level.
0: Sure.
1: Um, But I don't think it's a good thing for the profession in the long term. Sure. I think that the only thing that's gonna happen is the same thing that's happened to our hospitals where you don't know if it's gonna be a $300 bill or a $30,000 bill.
0: Right, yeah
1: on a little bit of a different scale but you know sure
0: yeah yeah for sure cool well dr malone that's pretty much all my questions i have for you today. do you awesome. have anything else that you want to um share with anybody put into the, the ether before we go
1: nothing i can think of just cool. ch- check out the blog post
0: sure yeah yeah cool. i'll for sure you send me that link and i'll get it in the video description if you awesome can check it out so this was Dr. Eric Malone, Doctor of Chiropractics. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you gained some value from this. If you have any questions for Dr. Malone, leave a comment down below and uh, and I'll get those questions to him. Don't forget to check out his blog post if you're interested in that. And until next time, get in movement. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I hope uh, you learned something from Dr. Malone today or gained some value from the episode otherwise. Uh, I, would lo- I just want to take a minute to inform you guys about a little feature that we have. So we post the podcast or publish it through anchor.fm. So that's an, it is a website and it's also an app you can download on your phone. Um, So anchor.fm does a few really cool things. Um, One of them is you can download the app and you can actually go and listen to the podcast on the anchor app itself. Um, So as opposed to, you might be listening to this through Apple podcasts or Spotify or some of the other um, more mainstream platforms. The cool thing about consuming the podcast through Anchor is you can actually send us questions. So, and in a uh, audio form, so you can record your voice, actually asking the question that you want to ask, and send it to us. So, in the future, if you know a we're going to have a specific guest or a you know specific type of uh, person on the podcast in the future. And you have a really interesting question that you would like us to address in that podcast, you can send that to us. And not only will we know to ask that question, but we can actually play your question in the video itself rather than me sort of translating uh, your, your question for you. So I think it's really cool because I'm really excited to work on getting a dialogue established between you, the community, and these experts and professionals, what have you, that I'm interviewing in the podcast, as opposed to a dialogue between me and them, right? It's really about getting a dialogue between you guys, the community, um, and these folks that I'm talking to, because it's really all about providing value for you all, right? And so it's important that we address the questions and concerns that you have. So if you're interested in that, that would be really cool. The app's called anchor.fm. You can download it, and it's pretty easy to... Just look up Getting In Movement Podcast, and it's uh, pretty self-explanatory how you will send us those audio messages and what have you. Uh, So, enough of me rambling on. I hope you guys enjoyed Episode 2 of the Getting In Movement Podcast. Uh, Be sure to leave your questions and comment in the comment section on whatever platform you are on, and we will see you next time.